Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Thank you for joining us during our Earth Month editions of Community Focus. And we are laser focused on the concerns about our ecosystem in South Florida and introducing you to a number of organizations that are actively and proactively seeking to preserve our natural wildlife and waterways. Rob Wire is the chairman at Shipwreck Park, Pompano Beach. And you might say that Shipwreck Park is the proud parent of three coastline conservation projects, two completed in North Bay Village and Miami Beach, the third underway in Pompano Beach. Rob, welcome to Community Focus. Glad to be here. Are you busier than normal during Earth Month? Do you get a lot of requests to talk to groups at this particular time of year, or is it ongoing throughout the year? We don't see much of a spike. We're still in the development stages with our current project, Wahoo Bay, so I think we're probably flying a little bit below the radar from a general public perspective, but there's certainly a lot of interest with our collaborators and people that we're working with on this specific project in Pompano Beach. It's heartening to look at your website, shipwreckpark.org, and you can also go to wahoobay.org and see all of the groups that are sponsoring and participating in helping you with these projects to conserve not just our waterways, but also our land that is affected by the water. Can you give us first some background on Shipwreck Park and what that's all about? Sure. Shipwreck Park was conceived back in 2014, 2015. We are a not-for-profit organization. And our mission initially was to deploy artificial reefs off the coast of North Broward County for the purposes of conserving our natural reef system because it is vital to the protection of the coastal community to create additional reef structure that would take the pressure off the natural reefs and to really utilize art as a means to educating the public about the importance of protecting our natural reefs. We deployed the Lady Luck in 2016, and we deployed the Okinawa in 2017. And looking at our website, I think you'll see a number of before and after pictures. If you see what Mother Nature has done to those steel structures, it's just an amazing sight. We estimate that there are between 20 to 30,000 divers a year that visit those two wrecks. So it's, it's been pretty successful. I would guess that's an actual tourist destination. Much like people travel to ski, people must travel to dive. That's correct. We got great notoriety worldwide when we deployed the Lady Luck. I mean, it went around the world. And we've had divers from, I think, every continent except Antarctica that have been on the site. The penguins don't get this far north. So, yeah, they've been hugely successful. Yeah, I highly recommend going to the website because the pictures are amazing. For those who don't know, the Lady Luck and the Okinawa are ships. One was a cargo ship and the other a destroyer that were sunk and have become part of the natural reef system. And to see the natural growth of plant life And the fish going through it is just so harmonious. It gives you a feeling of how we are part of nature and we can do things to help nature thrive. That's true. The Lady Luck, though, just I don't don't mean to correct you, but the Lady Luck was actually a transport carrier and her name was the Newtown Creek out of New York. And what she was commissioned to do was to take human waste 
back in the 60s and the 70s and to move it offshore, way offshore, and dump it out of the Atlantic Ocean. And then when the EPA came along and we said, this isn't really what we should be doing, disposing of our human waste, she was kind of relegated to running that same product, the human waste down from New York City to a sewer treatment plant in New Jersey. And then she was decommissioned, I think about 2014, and she was actually up for scrap, up for sale for scrap. And we were in the process of identifying our first artificial reef. And Greg Harrison, who is the city manager of Pompano Beach, was our chairman at the time of Shipwreck Park. And he was able to help us acquire the Newtown Creek and then rename her the Lady Luck and bring her down here. So kind of a fitting in for a ship that had kind of a, uh, I guess, a little bit of a storied past providing this wonderful artificial reef structure right off of the North Broward line. It's almost karmic, like she's making up for the days that she was dumping and instead is helping the ocean and the ocean life to thrive. And I'm so glad they stopped dumping in the ocean. (laughs) Just everyone who's going to the beach. (laughs) I think there's there's a link to a a video piece that was done. It's got to be 20 years ago maybe more than 20 years ago, talking about the evolution of treatment of sewage in that area of New York, about how it became such an issue and something needed to be done. And I think when the one of her last dumps offshore was when everything washed up in New Jersey, that kind of sealed the fate and we got a little bit better about sewage treatment. So there's been an evolution actually with Wahoo Bay and the latest project with Shipwreck Park, that it's not just about creating reefs now, In the last, you know, five, 10 years, we've seen the increase in the strength of storms and higher storm surges and so much more flooding that this is also part of protecting the residents and the earth on the shore of the ocean. So how did that start to factor into what you're doing with Wahoo Bay? Well, our core mission was art, conservation, education. It still is. And I think we hit a home run from the art perspective with the art that we put on both the Lady Luck and the Okinawa in terms of raising awareness. You know, we had a whimsical casino on the Lady Luck and we put kind of the everyman's bar on the Okinawa and they were kind of a fun setting for the deployments of those reefs. From the conservation perspective, we did a pretty good job because, you know, I think we helped take some of the pressure off the artificial reef system as well as create new habitat areas. And as you've said earlier, they've done extremely well. But one area we didn't think we were doing too good a job on that was on education. Because when you think about the number of divers, even though they're significant in numbers, they represent such a small percentage of the population. And we felt that there was a need to really kick up our game in terms of education. And education is related to young people. They are our future. And I think it's imperative that we as adults and the generation that's, you know, kind of moving on needs to help them understand what's going on in the world around them. And gosh, in Pompano Beach, we're in the middle of thousands and thousands of school-age children that there's an opportunity for education. So we knew we had this opportunity at the Hillsborough Inlet. There's a city park there, just recently renamed the Roy L. Rogers Family Park. And it sits right just on the outside of the bridge going out into the Atlantic Ocean. And there's a small area, less than a half acre of protected water that abuts the park. And we thought, gosh, wouldn't this be a great idea to kind of put our initial thoughts were a snorkel park in where we could get kids in the water. Many of them have never even been in the water before and help them understand what's going on. And then COVID hit and it caused us to take a pause just because things slowed down. And we got a little bit more serious about the educational component and talking to instructors and educators really from across the country 
we found that there was a demand for content. There was a demand for content, you know, outside of the normal rigors of elementary and high school education. And we had this niche of an ocean environment, an estuary, if you will, that we could do something with. So things developed and all of a sudden we found ourselves not only developing a snorkel park, but now it became more than a snorkel park. It became a mini conservation area, if you will. We met up with the University of Miami, who has developed this novel approach to coastal protection. It's called the Sea Hive. More on our website, you can learn about it. And the Sea Hives are actually wave attenuation devices or a wave attenuation system where when water hits the sea hive, the energy is actually dispersed and it doesn't cause the damage on the shoreline or even if you put it out a little bit farther offshore, it actually breaks the wave action down. So you've mitigated the destruction of coastal erosion due to to sea rise and wave action. But just as importantly for us in this case, we saw the opportunity and the University of Miami is working with us to where we could actually plant mangroves in the sea hive system. So all of a sudden, from an idea of a snorkel park to this creating this estuary that's demonstrating a system for wave attenuation that may be replicated in the future with other users to where now we have this demonstration product where kids can get in the water and see what's going on. And as luck would have it, the University of Miami introduced us to Florida Atlantic University, FAU. And FAU has really led the charge with us and helping us develop curriculum that will be posted online on a new website to launch in May called wahoobay.net. So we're developing curriculum age appropriate from pre-K through 12, where young minds and teachers can actually get involved with classroom study, STEM classroom study. Well, it might be about looking at our live camera. We'll have an underwater camera with 24-7 webcam underwater. We've already installed, with the help of FAU, a weather station on site. And we are currently, again, with the help of FAU, monitoring water quality on site. So we're creating all of this data that we've run basically running two tracks. You'll have the track of those that choose to get in the water and come visit the site. But somebody in South Bend, Indiana, can actually be able to visit our website, see what's going on under the water with the webcam, and have access to a whole list of educational curriculum that might help them better understand the world around them. That is absolutely phenomenal. And I hope and I believe that the information, although you're targeting young people through 12th grade, adults need to learn this too, because there's so much information we didn't know until recently. And unless you really make an effort to read deeply into stories, what you see are disaster headlines. You know, that's what mostly you get in the media. The world's going to end in 20 years if we don't do something. And we are doing things. And to understand how everything is incorporated and how our participation in the planet works to help the planet and, again, destroy, but we then always seem to find ways to fix what we've broken as humans, thank goodness. And this Sea Hive Project I saw the pictures. It looks like a beehive. And Mm -hmm. I kind of have this vision in my head of a complete protection around the entire country on every shoreline of all these sea hives that would help us enormously, I believe. That's correct. And this Wahoo Bay will actually be a demonstration product for the sea hives themselves. And it should be noted that that location, it's in a pretty protected place, a pretty protected piece of water. We'll never put the sea hives to their full test there. But it's a great opportunity for the general public to come out and see this system and what is available out there being developed and actually being you know, studied uh, on, a, on a large basis at the University of Miami just to see how well these sea hives perform. So, yes, 
aside from the educational experience for the young minds, it is also an opportunity for adults to learn about what's going on. And what we found as we did outreach, talking about the park and the local communities there at the inlet, was a lot of concern about what would happen to the park and, you know, does it get overtaken? And we've allayed everybody's fears because the park will actually be managed by the Pompano Beach Park and Recreation Department. You can go to the park at any time, but accessing the Wahoo Bay from the shoreline or from the park itself, it's a booked event. It's not open to where it becomes a beach. It's not a beach. It's an experience that has to be, it will be managed by Parks and Rec. But a lot of adults that we have talked to in the area as we did our public outreach were kind of fascinated with the prospect of sea hives and wondering how they could install it, you know, along their areas and things like that. So I think there's a lot to be done in the future with that application. Most definitely. And I had been thinking of it as kind of a water theme park here, but it's so much more than that. Yeah, it's a place for anybody of any age to go and go underwater. And I hope this will inspire people to learn how to swim so that they can do this. Is that one of the requirements? Do you even have to know how to swim to experience? Well, it's interesting you should mention that. Pompano Beach Parks and Rec is responsible for providing swim lessons to a large number of public schools in the area, and they do it in their swimming pool at the rec center. But the discussion right now, and I think we'll be able to make it happen, will be that the graduating class will actually be transported to Wahoo Bay, and they'll get their graduation. They'll do their graduation swim at Wahoo Bay itself. So not only do they get certification of having passed their swim class, they get a chance, and for many of them, their first chance to ever get into the ocean. So That's just on so many different levels. What you're doing is inspired, and it's so novel. And I, I hope that it becomes less novel, that it becomes a normal thing that people think of to do everywhere because of the benefits. On your website at wahoobay.org, there's a little place where you can sign up to receive your emails, get updates and tips on five things that you can do for the ocean today. Would you mind sharing a tip or two with us? I think the thing is to make a personal pledge to understand a little bit more about the importance that the oceans play in our daily lives, about the importance of protecting our coastal areas from erosion, and to understand sea rise. I mean, you don't have to get into the politics of it. You you just have to know that things are happening and that we need, I guess, as conservators of this little orb that we live on, we need to become more actively engaged in how we can do our part to protect the environment for not only ourselves, but I think for the generations to come. And that's why we have really focused on Wahoo Bay about the young minds, as I like to refer to them, are the young scientists, because who knows, there may be one or two or a dozen young minds that experience that and provide solutions that we haven't even thought of in the future. Absolutely. And there are always people who have new ideas and sudden inspirations that come up with solutions to problems that are either naturally created or that we create. And I think what makes it different in this particular era is this is the first time we've been able to measure changes while humans were alive, while major things were happening. You know, we know there have been cycles of climate change for billions of years, but we weren't here to experience it. So I think it's our natural way to say, oh, no, you know, we're not going to be destroyed. (laughs) Um, So it is important to understand the science of it and understand the reality of what can happen if we don't take steps. 
I, I just want to mention that the collaboration that we are experiencing right now with both Florida Atlantic University, FAU, which is just a few miles from the site, and the University of Miami has really allowed us, you know, we are not scientists. We started this project as a way to drive tourism to South Florida. But this project, this organization has evolved into this this group that is now seeking to educate way past where we initially began. And I, I can't tell you how important working with these two schools has been in really getting us to a place that we would have never got to without their help. Well, we want to send our gratitude to both the University of Miami and Florida Atlantic University for being a major part of progress in our community and support for nonprofits all the time. And if someone wants to make an appointment, book a visit to Wahoo Bay, can they do that yet? Or are we still in the process of developing and that will come later? So we have installed our first of six modules, six Hive modules that you can see on the website itself. And we're actually kind of waiting to see what, if there's going to be any settling and how that's going to do in that environment. The next five units, we're not completely done with fabrication. So we're several months away from having completed the installation of the sea hives themselves. After that, we'll install the swim platform and it will be then open to the general public. But the way to find out when it's available, obviously, we'll keep our website up to date. But as I said, the Pompano Beach Parks and Recreation Department will be responsible for booking, allowing access to Wahoo Bay from the park itself. And that'll be available as soon as we can finish the construction. When will the cameras go live underwater? I'm trying to get a camera in right now on that first module because I'm really interested in seeing and demonstrating and projecting what's happened just since you put that little bit of structure against what was a vertical seawall. We noticed fish right away after we installed the sea hives on that first module. So I really would like to get this baseline in to see what is actually happening in terms of the vertebrate. I mean, now the invertebrates, that's going to take time. The concrete has to kind of cure out a little bit. Is it relationship with the salt water? So we'll see things start to grow in the not too distant future. But I'm hoping to get a camera in in the next you know, couple of weeks that we will put up on our wahoobay.org website. But the real launch will be in May with our wahoobay.net site, and that is really the educational site. That is where everything having to do with curriculum and education and webcams and weather data and water quality data will get posted. It will be made available to everyone. Okay, well, I'm going to sign up to get your emails from wahoobay.org so I'll know when wahoobay.net goes live. And once it is live and you've got pictures and we're seeing how it develops, please, I'd love you to come back and give us an update because this is a great moment of progress for South Florida and particularly for those who live right on the beach. Thank you for what you've done in taking charge of it and bringing in all of these great scientists who are helping to put it together and turning it into something that's both entertaining and educational. It's phenomenal. Rob Wire, chairman at Shipwreck Park, thank you so much for everything you're doing. We will talk again. Thank you, ma'am. Now on Community Focus, I am so happy to welcome the co-founders of Fathers MIA with their amazing Spring Gala coming up next week on the 15th. Very happy to welcome Grinald Hawkins Sr. Good morning, sir. 
Good morning. How are you today? I am doing great now that I have you and co-founder Robert L. Jackson III with me. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. Good morning. Greetings. How are you doing? I'm excited that you have your big spring gala coming up on the 15th. Which one of you would like to address what the gala is about and why it's so important? The spring gala, Fathers of My A, as we honor you where we're going to be having young ladies and young men, but the focus point is on our young ladies, where we have fatherless young ladies who would probably never get a chance to do a father-daughter dance. What we do is we partner with first responders within Broward and Dade County. Our officers and our firefighters take the place of these young ladies' fathers for one night so that these young ladies can do a simulated father-daughter dance. And at night's end, we give away scholarships. But of course, before the gala actually happens, we have sessions that the young people go through. I'm quite sure Mr. Jackson can help us with that. Yeah, and these sessions are just motivated sessions to encourage them, to let them know that they're not by themselves, that there are other young people that are experiencing the fatherlessness in their lives. And so these sessions, we let them know how to be motivated, let them know how powerful and important that they are. These sessions also deal with etiquette sessions, teaching them how to really speak, respond, even how to care of themselves and eat at a um, outing, at a dinner table, at a nice restaurant. And then we have Sessions is dealing with healing sessions where to deal with whatever emotional, psychological effects or things that they're dealing with concerning not having that father in their lives. And so there's a total of eight sessions that they go through leading up to the gala. So we want to make sure they're prepared, not just for the gala, but prepared for life situations. And I'm going to guess that your background as a counselor, a marriage counselor, a family counselor is what brings you into that aspect of the preparation. Yes, but then we also have on board Dr. Tasha, who is a licensed psychologist too, that just deals with our young people in more in depth. And so it's like a work together to make sure that they get the emotional support that they need. Yes. And Grinald, you served in the U.S. Army. So thank you for that, first of all. And it makes perfect sense with that background that you would want to engage first responders in your mission. But I also understand you were adopted as a child, and that's part of your motivation for founding this organization. Yes, I was adopted at birth. Thank God for my adopted parents. And I know how it feels to have abandonment issues. I know how it feels to um, have that feeling of not being wanted by your biological parents. So that helped motivate me to actually help start the um, organization. And also I was a counselor at my church and also a football coach. And I always would notice that the fathers were not there to help represent their kids. The mother would always drop the child off and the father was always MIA. Wow. And that's, that's father's yeah, MIA. That's, okay. Father's, <laughs> that's where the initial birth of the name, but we kind of flipped the name. It's not father's missing in action. The name of the organization is fathers motivated, involved, and active. We want to move those fathers that are missing in action to motivated, involved, and active. I love that. What I really want to do is we're going to talk again next month because we don't have a lot of time today. And I want to get into more of the detail about that getting fathers motivated, involved and active. But as far as the gala goes, I just love the idea that you bring in the first responders to dance with the young ladies. I mean, if there's anyone who could represent a father figure, who better than a first responder? 
responder. What's it like for these (laughs) girls? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, because they are the protectors of the community. And so we want to make sure that these young ladies feel protection through our first responders and our officers. And so they're excited. They really, especially seeing a officer fully dressed in their full class A uniform and they've been escorted. So it's like royalty. So they're excited. And the great thing about it is, is that they communicate, they talk. And we have letters from ladies afterwards that these officers continue to keep in contact with them and just be that representative of a father figure in their lives. And they get so excited. I've got to believe this can be life-changing for a lot of them. Yes, it is. Because of the fact that they normally don't have their male figure in their lives. And now we have these police officers and these first responders sending them care packages calling to check on them to make sure that they're okay. You know, the reason why we use first responders, especially police officers, because of the fact that in certain communities, my first responders sometimes don't have the best reputation in some of our communities. So now we use our police officers to help bridge the gap and bridge the relationship between certain communities because of the fact that we want to humanize our young kids and we want to humanize our officers. And we want to make sure that we have a cohesive relationship component that these young people and these police officers can pretty much come in and share their stories together. And also, hopefully, they can embrace each other in the community that our society and our community could thrive and love each other as one unit. Yeah, when you get past the stereotype of each one, of a teenage girl and an officer, the stereotypes you see on TV, then you find out that they are human and they have similar wants and needs and they're each interesting and unique in their own way. And what a wonderful thing to do. Now, can anyone go to the gala or is this specifically for the program at Fathers MIA? Anyone can go to the gala. Matter of fact, we definitely recommend that If you have a daughter that have never done a father-daughter dance with, please bring your daughter or father. If you're a father and you're 80 years old, your daughter is 60, and you never had a father-daughter dance, please come out and just enjoy the evening. If you want to make it a community event, want to make sure that these young ladies know that we have a community out here that cares. We want to make sure that these young ladies know that they will be well represented by the community at large because of the fact that we do care about our next generation. I love that. So this is happening next Saturday, the 15th. Where and when? What time? At the Signature Grand in Davie, right off of 595, the Signature Grand. If you type in the Signature Grand is well known, you can through the internet. The doors open up at 6 and it starts at 630. And one of the things that I wanted to say is that we represent our community well to where we have senators, councilmen, councilwomen come and represent mayors and commissioners. They're there. They have been some of our previous guest speakers. We've had news anchors from Channel NBC6 and Channel 10 News to be some of our MCs, And so we make sure that we give an environment to where these young people may not experience and seen some of these people before that they're going to come and love on them, these dignitaries and people that are in position that can come and love on them that night too. So it's going to be a great and wonderful night. And now you mentioned the scholarships. How can one of these young people become eligible for a scholarship? And looking toward next year, obviously, it would be too late for this year. But for next year, how could someone apply for a scholarship and be part of that opportunity? All they'd have to do is they can go to our website, which is fathersmia.org. Look for 
next year, November. That's when we start receiving the applications for the scholarship. And then we start going through the sessions in January. And then in April, that's when the announcements are made for the winners. And so they will just go to our website, start looking for information in the month of November. As long as they have a uh, minimum GPA of 3.0, and they will have to then be a part of extracurricular activities. And then one of the key clincher is that they will have to write a 300-word essay, the effect of being fatherless or the fatherlessness in their life. And those are the you know three requirements for the scholarship. How many of the people who are reviewing these applications end up crying? Because I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's, there's no dry eye in in that room. I'm so sure. Okay, so we're going to get together again next month and go into a lot more detail about the sessions and your organization. I love what you're doing. And we'll remind people again in November about applying for scholarships and the sessions starting in January. Again, the website for tickets is fathersmia.org, and that is Motivated, Involved, and Active. And I just have one favor to ask you, since I won't be there myself, unfortunately. <laughs> when I was a little girl, my dad would dance with me in the living room, and I would be on his feet. I would put my feet on his feet. And I think that's wow. something. That, don't most dads do that with their girls? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So, and- so I'm going to ask one of you to do it with one of your daughters or ask a police officer to do it, just so I can feel like I'm there. I'll pick up on it psychically. <laughs> And we'll have it in your name and we'll do it just for you. Oh, thank you so much. You don't know how big I'm grinning right now. And and that's just one more indication of the impact that fathers have. You know, that my my dad's been gone for over 10 years now. And I can still grin like that just thinking about something from when I was six, seven years old. You know, so I'm, I'm so thrilled that you're doing this for young girls and boys, too. I don't want to leave them out. Um, and giving them this experience. Thank you both. Is there anything else that you want to tell our audience before we wind up? Yes. You can also go to Eventbrite to get tickets for the gala. Like we said, the gala is April 15th. But I just want to give you a little bit of stats of a fatherless child. 85% of youths in prison grew up without fathers. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behavioral disorders come from the fatherless home. So our organization, we really believe in fathers. We want to make sure that the men know that you are important. We want to make sure that fathers know that you must be a part of your child's life. Even if you're not in the home, you need to be a part of your child's life. And not only do we deal with kids whose fathers are estranged, But we also deal with kids whose fathers are deceased. So we're trying to be the role models. Even if their father never comes back into their lives, Fathers MIA wants to be the bridge, wants to be that role model so that we can provide better citizens in our community. And so our communities can thrive and live in peace and harmony. I encourage people to go to this gala because what you just said is so touching and honest and really insightful in how not having a father with you impacts your entire future and how you're turning that around and, like you said, bridging the gap. So please visit fathersmia.org or go to Eventbrite, get those tickets, and get to know co-founders of Fathers MIA, Grinald Hawkins Sr. and Robert L. Jackson III. I appreciate so much what you're doing. Thank you for taking the time, and I'm going to hold you to the promise we're going to talk again next month and go into depth about what you're doing. 
Absolutely. And thank yes. you. And thank you. Media, and we appreciate your time and really allowing us to speak to you and your audience on this. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-S-1-E, at cmg.com. Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus, and have a wonderful day. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.